Hi, friends, and thank you for joining Christ Church Online for this very special message where we celebrate our risen Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. If you are a new or recent visitor to Christ Church, a very special welcome to you, and we highly encourage you to check us out online at ccgf.org or on the Christ Church app available for iOS and Android devices to see all of the goings on here that we have. Today, we are led by our senior pastor, the Reverend Dr. Jared Ott, as we continue in our series, That You May Believe. Just a reminder that you can get the rest of the series online at ccgf.org sermons or on the Christ Church app. Now, here is Pastor Jared with his Easter message, The Resurrected Christ. Thank you for listening. God, we thank you for today. I thank you for the fact that we can celebrate the fact that we can be here worshiping a risen Lord. Oh, we are so grateful, so grateful for what you've done, dying for us, and then rising again three days later, just as you said you would do. Lord, we thank you that we can sing those praises this morning with our hearts full of gratitude and praise. So I ask now, Lord, as well as we look at your word, that you speak to us mightily this morning. Speak to us individually. I pray that we hear you calling our names this morning, just as Mary did. And Lord, I pray that you speak through me. I pray that my lips are your lips, my heart is your heart, and you impress upon us the message you want us to hear, and that we walk out of here changed. And I ask all this in the name of your son, Jesus. Amen. Well, again, good morning. My name is Jared Ott. I'm the senior pastor here at Christ Church. So glad that you're with us. You know, we've been in this series that you may believe for uh, a couple months now. And we're going through the Gospel of John. And we come to John chapter 20, this very same passage this morning, talking about Easter, about the risen Lord. And later in John chapter 20, the very last verse is John 20, 31, where we get the, the title for this series. It says, but these are written that you may believe... That Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. You know, it is so wonderful that throughout the gospel, all the miracles that Jesus is performing, all of it is pointing to the fact that he is the Son of God, he is the Messiah. And now we come to the point where he's risen from the dead. And the key is this morning is whether you believe that or not, do you believe it? Because him rising from the dead really sets Christianity apart from every other religion. You see, there's other religions that actually know who Jesus is. They, they affirm that he was, a, he was a man. Some would say he was a teacher or a prophet. Some would even say he died. But only Christianity says he died for us and rose again three days later. Isn't that wonderful? Isn't that wonderful that we get to, to worship a living God? Not a dead God, but a living God. The question is, though, do you believe it this morning? You know, as we get older, it's tough for us to believe things without seeing it, isn't it? I, I love that children can believe pretty much anything. Uh, I have two children, and uh, I remember, um, in fact, uh, telling a story here oh, a few years ago uh, about my daughter, who was, when she was in kindergarten, I came home and in the living room, there was this elaborate set in the living room. There's t- boxes and tape, and there's string on pillows and blankets. And I said, what are you doing? She said, uh, I, uh, my friend Mia told me how to build a leprechaun trap. I thought, oh, that's fantastic. So just the other day, I thought, well, I wonder if she still, if she still believes that. 
So I, we're driving in the car, and I, I turn around. I, I turn around. Uh, I looked in the mirror, and I said, uh, Langdon, you still uh, remember that leprechaun trap? I said, he, I mean, remember how you, when you catch a leprechaun, the leprechaun would give you candy? You, you still believe that? She goes, Dad, that is so dumb. She goes, of course the leprechaun wouldn't give you candy. The leprechaun gives you gold. And I'm driving going, why gold? She goes, it's candy. That's so dumb. It's gold. I said, why? She said, well, it's a ransom. I said, a ransom for what? She said, because you get to keep the leprechaun. And he gives you the pot of gold, so you let him go. I thought, oh, man, this is, this is amazing. I said, so what would you do if you, had, if you actually caught a leprechaun? She said, well, I think I'd do what Mia did. I said, what did Mia do? She said, well, she'd catch a leprechaun, she'd, she'd take the gold, but then she'd capture the leprechaun too and keep him in the room. That's, that's what I would do. I would keep the leprechaun in my room. I said, well, I think there's some kind of legality about you keeping a little bearded man in your room. Um, she goes, I'll share the gold with you. And I thought, well, yeah, let me give it some thought. Then I said, don't ever hang out with Mia again. But as kids, we believe things. As adults, it gets harder. You know, when Jesus came out of the grave, there was a lot of doubt. A lot of people didn't believe it because they didn't see it. And there's been a lot of theories since then that Jesus really didn't come out of the grave. And if you believe any one of them, then everything that we believe up to now here at this church goes by the wayside. There's a lot of theories that have come about since that time, even during that time. There was a, one of the theories was the swoon theory, that Jesus died. He didn't die. He just lost so much blood on the cross on the Good Friday that he went into a coma. And that uh, he just came out of the coma after being in the grave, the cold air, and was able to walk out. But that doesn't explain how a man who lost so much blood could live that long without water and food. And how he could unwrap his own grave clothes and move the stone. There's also the theory, uh, the hallucination theory that people believe that, that all the people that saw Jesus, including Mary that we just saw here, the disciples that we'll see in a minute, Thomas, 500 others, as the, as the Bible talks about, 500 other people seeing Jesus, that they all just hallucinated. That, that it was, uh, they, they, they all were so passionate about Jesus that they all believed the same thing. They all saw the same thing. It doesn't explain how 500 some plus people would hallucinate that. And there was the uh, mistaken tomb theory that, that maybe they went to the wrong tomb. That Mary, on the morning of Easter, went to the wrong tomb. But that doesn't explain why the soldiers were guarding that tomb, does it? Or why anybody else who put him in that tomb would say that wasn't the right tomb. Then there was the uh, theory that actually came about right after this time. It was the, the Roman leaders who said, you know what, Jesus can't have come out of the grave alive because it'll change everything. So they made up this story to tell the guards, Matthew 28, 12. It says, when the chief priests had met with the elders and devised a plan, they gave the money, some money, the soldiers a large sum of money, telling them that you are to say his disciples came during the night and stole them away while we were asleep. So now there's this rumor going around that the disciples stole the body. So now what happens is Mary, after she... Goes to the tomb, she goes back and tells the disciples. The encounter with the disciples, we already see. The encounter with the disciples, they're already living in fear. They're already living in fear. Because of this rumor going around. That they were the ones that stole the body. We see that in John chapter 20. The very next verse, the scripture that you have there is in your service sheet. 
But the very next verse right there, it says, On the evening of the first day of the week when the disciples were together, with the doors locked for fear of the Jewish leaders, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and his side. The disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. They were locked away for fear. You know, we give the disciples a hard time. It's like, man, I can't believe you'd be locked away in fear, not wanting to associate yourself with Jesus. How many of us go through life fearful of people knowing that we love Jesus, that we're followers of Jesus? How many of us go to workplaces or our schools and don't want anybody to know that we love Jesus because of the fear of what could happen, the persecution that could be there? I just read an article this week about how Christians are being persecuted more and more around the world. How many of us live in fear? We don't ever want to associate ourselves with Jesus because what if people find out? Disciples were doing the same thing. You know, but it's powerful to know that Jesus wins in the end, doesn't he? That he did exactly what he said he was going to do and that he's going to prepare a place for us. So we shouldn't be ashamed of Jesus. We shouldn't be ashamed to say that he's our Lord. We should go out there and shout it from the, from the rooftops because of what he did for us, that we are worshiping and following a risen Lord. I love, if you go back to that verse, what Jesus says to his disciples It says, peace be with you. Before Jesus left, when he was with his disciples, he said, peace, I leave you. Now he's saying, peace be with you. Before he died, there was no peace between God and man. Now, since he died, there is peace between God and man. You have to understand that we all have sin. That's what the Bible says. We all have sin and fall short of the glory of God. That's a passage in Romans. God's glory is so great, he can't be around sin. So because we have sin, and we look at our own lives, we go, well, we haven't done this right, we've had bad attitudes, or we've done this thing wrong. We could produce all kinds of lists, but because of any sin, we can't be around God. So because of that, there's no peace between God and man. And the wages of sin is death. We deserve to die because of that. But the gift of God is eternal life. Eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Isn't that great? Isn't it great that eternal life comes because of what he's done, not because of what we've done? It has nothing to do with our works or things that we've done. It's by grace that we're saved through faith. That's what the Bible says. The question is, do you believe that this morning? Do you believe that he conquered death, that he rose again, that he's alive, and that we can conquer death too by knowing and loving him and following after him, that when we die, we're eternally with him in heaven? Isn't that wonderful? What a great celebration. Do you believe it this morning? Later, uh, the disciples were there and Jesus was there. Thomas wasn't there. This is what we know as doubting Thomas. The very next verse is the encounter with Thomas. It says in verse 26, it says, Eight days later, his disciples were inside again, and Thomas was with them. Although the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your fingers here. And see my hands and put, your, put out your hand and place it on my side. Do not disbelieve, but believe. Thomas answered him, my Lord and my God. Thomas wouldn't believe that Jesus died on the cross. So he had to see the nail holes. He had to see where the, the, the Roman guards pierced him. You got to love Thomas. Thomas is known as the one that would ask for more evidence. The one for more clarification. 
We all know those people, don't we? The ones that want to know a little bit more. If you've ever been in school or class with somebody who always asks the question for clarification, right? I know, uh, I know I was, <laughs> a few years ago, I was in a, my doctoral program out in Indiana, and uh, there was a guy, and it was, these are week-long seminars, he was constantly asking questions for clarification. And we, I remember there was one day, and we had been in class from like 8, it goes from 8 in the morning till 6 at night, and it was all theology, all kinds of stuff. And we were going through our books, I checked out probably around 2, <laughs> um, but the guy was still talking. And um, we got to the end, we got to the end. And the, it was 6 o'clock, I was done, everybody else was done, and the professor says, is there any other questions? And there's a guy that raised his hand. I'm going to call him Matt. Matt's actually his real name because I hope he listens to this sermon. <laughs> Matt raises his hand. This is what he says. He says, um, uh, Professor, you said something uh, right around uh, 10 o'clock this morning that I missed. Could you go back and go over that? <laughs> Let me tell you, church, I'm a pastor. But uh, it was the one time in my life that I wish I had a sack of nickels just to smack that guy right in the face. Because... I couldn't believe it. I wanted clarification where we're going for dinner. He wanted to know what was going on 10 hours ago. Thanks, Matt, if you're listening. But he's the one that asked for clarification. You know what? Thomas is the same way. Always wants clarification. Jesus spoke a lot. And disciples, sometimes they got it. But Thomas was the one that always asked the question. So before we give Thomas a hard time, Thomas was the one that asked Jesus the big question. And Jesus responded with a verse that's so powerful and so meaningful. Jesus was with his disciples in the upper room. He says, listen, I'm going away. I'm going to prepare a place for you. And Thomas was the one who says, "Uh, question, Jesus. He says, Lord, we don't know where you're going, so how can we know the way? And Jesus answered, one of the most powerful verses, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Jesus is saying, listen, I'm the only way. It's not about your works. It's not about what you've done. It's not about producing lists of coming to church or doing all these other things. He said, the only way you can get to heaven, the only way you can have eternal life, the only way I'm going to be able to prepare a place for you is through me. I am the way. I am the only truth. I am the life. But he couldn't say that he was the life unless he conquered the grave. Do you believe it, church? Maybe that's you this morning. Maybe you're thinking, you know what, I kind of know who Jesus is. I've heard this story before, but I've never really seen evidence Never really seen evidence. When he came to Thomas back in the passage we just read in verse 29, he says, blessed, blessed are those that believe and have not seen and yet believe. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet believe. Is that you this morning? You say, you know what, I know who this Jesus is, but I just, I've never really believed in him. You know, once you do, it changes everything. I think for Thomas, it wasn't that he couldn't believe. I don't think he wanted to. Because once you do, everything changes. Because you realize everything that he said is true. Your whole world changes. Everything changes. Now when you go to the cemetery, instead of saying goodbye, you say, I'll see you again. Everything changes. Your whole life changes. Because you realize who Jesus is, what he did on the cross, and that he rose again, and that he's alive and well, and he goes and prepares a place for you. Do you believe it? 
So he goes to the disciples. He goes to Thomas. And they believe it. And then there's Mary. The passage we just read, Mary. It says in verse 11, Mary stood weeping outside the tomb. And as she wept, she stooped to look into the tomb. You know, Mary, this is Mary Magdalene. The one, we see this from verse 1. This She was there when Jesus was getting crucified. She was there watching him get whipped, watching him put the crown of thorns on his head. She was there. Friday it happened. Saturday it was silent. She's now a mess, crying, weeping because of this silent Saturday, not knowing what's going to happen next. And there she is outside the tomb in a moment of sorrow. Isn't it wonderful that Jesus shows up in our moments of sorrow? Right when we need him the most. It would have been different if Jesus died and rose 15 minutes later. It's three days later. The moment, the the lowest point for Mary, Jesus shows up. It says in verse 12, actually starting in um, verse 15, it says, Jesus said to her, woman, why are you weeping? Who are you seeking? Supposing that he was the gardener, she said to him, sir, if you carried him away, tell me where you've laid him and I will take him away. Jesus died and rose again. What a celebration that is. You know, what's amazing about this passage is I've read this encounter so many times and really it was this week that I really started thinking, why Mary? Did you ever think about that? Why did he go to Mary first? You would have thought that maybe he would show up in the temple or maybe he would show up to the rabbis or the teachers or or the Pharisees of the land. Maybe he would show up to the the educated and the people that were trying to live a good life. So he said, I'm right here. She was up to Mary. You know, we know about Mary Magdalene. We know about her with her brother was Lazarus, if you know that. Mary's brother was Lazarus, and Jesus raised him from the dead. But we first hear about Mary, first hear about Mary, way back in Luke chapter 8. It says, after this, Jesus traveled from one town and village to another, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom of God. The twelve were with him, and also some women who had been cured of evil spirits and diseases. Mary called Magdalene, whom seven demons had come out. Seven. So many they had to number them. Seven. I had met somebody with one. I can never imagine what someone's like life would be like with seven demons. Jesus rescued her. You can imagine her life before this moment, before Jesus rescued her, what it would have been like to have seven demons. What was your life like? What were you getting into? What were the things that you were into up to that point? And and Mary hears her name called. And you kind of wonder, did she recognize Jesus, his voice? Maybe it was his accent. Or maybe the last time she heard Jesus, she heard him loud and clear over the seven demons swirling around in her head. Either way, she recognized who Jesus was. And she went to him. It was It wasn't about her past. You look at Mary and you go, Mary wasn't this person that had lived a righteous life all her life. She's trying to be good, going to church maybe all her life. That wasn't Mary. She had a tough past. Jesus healed her. I find it amazing that the, the, the last person that Jesus encountered and the first person that Jesus encountered were the people that needed him the most. The last person he encountered was the thief on the cross. That's why there's three crosses. Jesus is up there. There's two robbers on either side of him. One's hurling insults at Jesus. And the other one realizes that Jesus lived a perfect life. He's innocent. And he deserves to die. This man, this robber deserves to die. But Jesus didn't. And so he says, hey, Jesus, will you, will you remember me when we get to heaven? Will you remember me when you go into your kingdom? 
And then Jesus says, not only will I remember you, but today you'll be with me in paradise. He dies, he rises again three days later, and now he encounters Mary. Someone that also had a tumultuous past. It says that Jesus was here, here to, to heal the sick, to save the lost. Mary had a tumultuous time. She was missing the one that saved her, that rescued her. And now Jesus comes. And what joy. And I think that's why Psalm 35 is so powerful for Mary. It says weeping may last through the night, but joy comes in the morning. Some of us have been going through some tough times in life. We may not be crying, but we might be dealing with some stuff. Maybe it's not demons, but some of us might be dealing with addictions or pornography or thoughts or attitudes or popularity. Some of us are dealing with all kinds of stuff. And this morning, Jesus is calling you out too. Not to show everybody what you've been through, but because he loves you. He's here for you this morning. That's why Isaiah is so powerful. It says, see, I have engraved you on the palm of my hands. Jesus says, I know you. I love you. I've engra- you. You are right here in front of me. You're not buried away in some kind of file somewhere where I have to sort through. He knows you. He knows you. And he's calling your name this morning. You may be saying, well... Jared must not be talking to me because I'm, I'm just visiting. I'm just kind of coming in and going out. I'm talking directly to you. And Jesus is here. He's alive. And he loves you. You know, the greatest miracle in this world is not that Jesus created the, God created the world, but that he loves the world, that he loves it so much that because of the sin that he sent his own son, that's why for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him will not perish but of everlasting life. It has everything to do with what he's done, not what we've done. Mary didn't produce a list of all the good things she's done versus all the bad things she's done. No. That thief on the cross didn't produce a list of all the things, good things that he did. He only had a moment. In fact, on that moment, he did like many of us would do. He says, Jesus, will you remember me when we all get home? Not Jesus, take me with you. Just remember me. Just remember the good I've done. Not, not take me with you, but remember the good lists I've done. And Jesus says, it's not about remembering the good you've done. It's about you being with me because of what I've done on the cross. I've died for you. So you wouldn't have to. So Mary, understanding that her past wasn't going to let her stop her from coming to Jesus. She goes right to Jesus and grabs a hold of him, doesn't she? Jesus says, don't hold on to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father. Go and said, tell my brothers and tell them, I'm ascending to my Father, my, your Father, to my God and your God. She didn't let her past define her. She didn't let her past stop her from coming right to Jesus. My hope and prayer is that you don't either. That despite where you've been, despite what you've done, despite the stuff that you're into, that Jesus comes this morning looking for you this Easter Sunday morning and he calls you by name. John, Chris, Jen, Tim, calling you by name because he knows you and he loves you and he desperately wants to have a relationship with you. Is that you this morning? Because he's alive and well. The question is, do you believe it? You know, we're going to prepare our hearts this morning for communion. And as we do, we're going to come and celebrate communion together. Communion isn't something that, it's a Christ church thing, it's a, it's a church-wide thing. 
where we come and remember what Christ did on the cross. And so you don't have to be a member of Christ's church to come and celebrate with us. You just need to know him as your personal Savior. I know I have. I recognize the need for a Savior. I've confessed my sin to him, asked him to forgive me of that sin, and asked him to be the Lord of my life. Isn't that wonderful? It's so simple. Do you believe it? You know, I kind of wonder if uh, the, those guards that were at the tomb that were told that, that story, that the disciples stole the body, I kind of wonder maybe later in that week or something, maybe they're on, like, they're on their union break or something. They're, they're around the table. And I could just imagine maybe somebody at the other table, one of the other guards goes, uh, hey, uh, hey, uh, Bob, Bob. What happened there at the tomb? I mean, come on. Look, what happened? We're hearing all this stuff. What happened? And Bob says, well, uh, we fell asleep and the disciples stole the body. And the other guy, called Mac, Mac says, that's, that's kind of weird because if you fell asleep, how'd you know it was the disciples? And Bob going, oh, uh, well, they didn't tell us that. Maybe it was, and I can see Matt going, you know what, just stop a second. Maybe, maybe, maybe he did rise again. Maybe he did exactly what he said he was going to do. Maybe he, all his life, when he says the Son of Man must suffer, must suffer and be rejected, and then die for us, and then rise again three days later, maybe Jesus was saying that, maybe, just maybe, he did exactly what he said he was going to do. And then when he says his body was broken on the cross using the bread, maybe that's really what happened. Maybe when he says, my blood shed for you on the cross, maybe that's exactly what happened. And maybe, just maybe, if all those things came true, maybe, just maybe, he's up there in heaven when he says, I go and prepare a place for you, that that's really what's going on. Do you believe it, church? I hope you do. Changes everything. Because we can get through this life knowing that we're going to be in heaven with him when we die. It gives us hope. It gives us peace. Knowing that we can get through the pain of this world. The pain of this life. You can imagine that thief on the cross breathe a big sigh of relief knowing that he was going to be in heaven with Jesus. I know Mary did. I'm sure the disciples did. I know Thomas did. I hope you do as well. It's a simple, it's a simple thing. It says in Romans 10, if you declare with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. How about you this morning? How about Easter 2017 where you can look back and say, you know what? That was the morning that Jesus was calling me. He was calling my name. And I gave my life to him. Let's pray. God, I thank you for today. And Lord, I thank you for what you did on the cross for us. You paid the ultimate sacrifice. Lord, I ask that you be with us here today, that we are bold to go out, not in fear, but bold to go out and proclaim you the good news that you died and rose again. That it's not about how we earn it, it's all about you. So thank you. That you're the way, you're the truth, you're the life. And Lord, I pray that you be with those one, two, maybe ten people in here who were waiting to hear their name called for a long time. And this morning they hear their name called. 
They see you looking right at you, right at your heart. They know you know everything that they've been into. You still love them. Oh, Lord, we thank you. And if that's you, maybe today you want to make that commitment. I encourage you. It's as simple as praying this prayer. You're not praying it to me. You're not praying to the people next to you, your family. You're praying to our Lord Jesus who's here alive with us today. You say, dear Lord Jesus, I understand that I am a sinner in need of a Savior. And there's nothing I can do on my own to earn it. But I understand that you died for me. I ask that you forgive me of my sin. Wipe me clean. I want you to be the Lord of my life as I follow you the rest of my day. Oh, Lord Jesus, I thank you for those that may have prayed that prayer. Help them to feel that. Feel that cleansing. Feel that peace come over them. Knowing that in your sight they are washed clean and they have a relationship with you. And Lord, I thank you for what you did. I thank you for what you did on the cross. And I thank you that we can serve and worship a risen Savior. I ask all this in your name.